0: Welcome to the Tim Moen show. I'm your host Tim Moen. Uh, as most of you know, I am the former leader of the Libertarian Party of Canada in 2015. I ran for Prime Minister essentially with the uh you know now popular slogan "I want gay married couples to be able to protect their marijuana plants with guns didn't get the job some other dude named Justin got the job and uh you know so here I am back at work it's a firefighter paramedic and, uh, paying the bills. I cashed in my retirement savings (laughs) at the time. Uh, how many times do you get a chance to run for prime minister? So I figured let's leave it all on the deck in this life. Let's leave it all on the mat and, um, put our, put my money and my energy where my values lie and see if I can't, uh, move the ball down the field, uh, a little bit towards Liberty for my kids and my grandkids eventually. So that's what, uh, that, that's a little bit about my background so i was a leader of this party um you know uh, during my leadership the part I, I led the party to its most successful year in its 40 some year history which isn't really saying much i mean libertarians are pretty small fringe my uh, minority and um we don't get a lot but you know i was pretty proud of the of the success that we made um and one of the things that happened and this is just a little backstory you you know uh to give you a a backstory between my history with maxine bernier and and the people's party of canada Uh, so after 2015 um we Stephen harper stepped down as the the cpc leader and um you know justin trudeau had won so harper stepped back and that started a leadership race and um me and a lot of my, um, my my compatriots from the election really liked a lot of things that Maxime Bernier was saying in terms of e- economic freedom, economic liberty. On that stage, he struck us as a sort of closet libertarian, if you will. Right? He was he was in the Conservative Party, and we know that in the Conservative Party there are closeted libertarians. There are, there are people that are libertarians, but that they hold their libertarianism. Uh, close to their chest because they don't want to um, you know they don't want to be outed and then lose their position and their power and their prestige and their stature and fair enough you know I'm happy those people exist I'm, ha- I'm I'd much rather have a closet libertarian you know in the conservative party than a closet socialist or communist or something like that uh, anyways Maxime Bernier seemed like, uh, he, he might be one of these closet libertarians because of some of the things he said. I mean, he, he talked about um, Austrian economics, right, which is uh, the preferred economic school and theory of libertarians um, who's, uh, you know, the godfather of which is, is Ludwig von Mises, and then you have Friedrich Hayek in that group, and you have, uh, you know, Rothbard and uh, numerous others. He, he continually talked about that so we're like okay this guy would be great what we need instead of a centrist kind of left-leaning leader of the conservative party is someone who is libertarian-ish on that stage because if there's a libertarian up there leading the conservative party that is even half-assed libertarian just like pays lip service to libertarian at least, um, well, then we start looking less and less like radical extremists, right? And and what we notice is that on the uh, on, on the political debate stage or in the in the political debate arena, okay, just in general, you have extremists on the left, very hardcore extremists. So you've got uh, hardcore Green Party people or Green ideology people. You've got communists. You've got socialists. You've got all all these academics that are left leaning that are radical and they're unapologetically radical, right? And they, they actually paved the way to talk about, um, all these things They they talk about universal basic income, talk about, um, you know, carbon tax and, and, um, all all these things that a few years ago wouldn't have been popular ideas at all and wouldn't have made it to the mainstream because they, they were seen as so fringe and so radical, and so nutty, quite frankly, right? But it's these extremists on the left that are pulling everything. So it's not the Justin Trudeaus or, or really the Jagmeet Singhs that are, that are pulling people left. It's these fringe radicals that um, are, are pulling things incrementally further and further left. They're chopping, they're, they're moving that Overton window, that the window of allowable political discourse further and further left. And what we notice is that there's no one doing it on the other side. There's no one pushing that window towards freedom. Conservatives, conservative-minded people, um, are 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 not radicals by definition, right? They 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 want things status quo. This is why, you know, Michael Malice has has coined the term conservatism is just progressivism driving the speed limit. They have no push um, towards, you know, at, at the very best, they're they they want to make America great again, right? Okay, we want to push things back a few years to when we think, when we were sentimental about America. Or they they would, you know, if you want to know what a conservative's policies are today, just look at what a liberal's policies were 10 or 20 years ago. And, you you know, because it's just lagging behind a little bit. And uh, there there was a, a pastor in the 80s that, I mean, this is nothing new. This is just personality types, um, you know, sociobiology, really, you, you know, you, if you're a conservative person, if you just, if you don't want to disrupt things, if you think we shouldn't just abandon and, and throw away our institutions on a whim, um, well, that that impulse uh, means that that you're going to support whatever the status quo is, and you might be a little upset with how things are changing, and so you might want to go back about 10 years or 20 years maybe a few more years, but you're basically just pushing back against uh, the left a little bit, but eventually the left can, because of the radicals continue to pull left and there's no radicals on the right. There's no one trying to pull towards Liberty. The only, the only radicals you have that might be considered right are libertarians, right? We say, (laughs) you know, we're radical in terms of free market and, and individual Liberty. Um, And so the idea is you got you get a libertarian in, the, in an establishment party uh, who is hamstrung, who can't really say the radical things that libertarians would like him to say, but can stand up there and say things like, we want a 15% flat tax. Now, that sounds radical now, but that's only because you don't have a libertarian on that debate stage uh, on, to the right of you saying, we want 0% tax. Taxation is theft. We need to abolish it. When you have a libertarian saying that, this guy, um, then the Maxime Bernier 15% flat tax sounds perfectly reasonable. Without me on that stage, it sounds like a radical, crazy idea. And so this was our idea to pull the Overton window more towards liberty was get, get a radical like voices like me, a bigger platform by having liberty friendly people in the mainstream uh conservative party just like you know uh Jagmeet Singh and and Justin Trudeau and all these guys they have their radical friends that they're associated with that they might not uh explicitly endorse but they at least um keep them in the sphere of influence right they they um they they keep their um they use them at least they use them they're they're like okay we we want to go more leftwards um but we can't say what this radical over here is saying, but we'll let this radical speak. We'll give them a megaphone. We'll amplify their message. We'll do everything. And then when we come out with fifty percent of what that radical says, we'll seem like moderates. We'll seem like centrists. Um, that sort of thing. All right. So so to that end, we're like, okay, let's get Maxime Bernier elected. Let's get him into, um, you know, let's have having him leader of the CPC. Uh, we weren't sure if he was going to throw his name in or not. And we really wanted to encourage him when we thought one of the things that might be holding him back or might be giving him pause to run in the CPC was uh, Western support, right? He's got a, he- a heavy French accent and and he's from Quebec and, you know, <laughs> quite often, at least the perception is that Western Canadians aren't very friendly to Quebecers, and that you know, a, another French politician or Quebec politician would not be welcome. And there's certainly some of that in Western Canada, but by and large, Western Canada just wants someone who leaves us alone. And I knew Bernier was probably that guy, and, and I wanted to show Bernier that he would have support. Out in Western Canada, so we invited him out west, uh, out to out to Calgary. My team and I, we we set up an itinerary. We wanted to connect him with uh, groups and supporters, and and um, fund fundraisers and and donors and different things like that. That we wanted to show Max that that he. Uh, would have Western support if he threw his name in the leadership race. And we wanted to encourage him to do it. So we we had this, uh, we started this Facebook page called Draft Bernier. And, you know, we, we uh, wanted to start a little movement of like, let's get Bernier in this race. And to our delight, uh, a few weeks after his trip out West to visit us, He threw his name in the leadership race. And so mission accomplished. We have Bernier in there. And he lost, of course, he lost the leadership vote by, uh, you know, half a percent or a percent or something like that. It was just a real close call. And I I wonder what things would have been like had he got in there and had um, he had your boy here standing beside him on the debate stage, making him look like a bloody moderate with my extremist rhetoric on the political stage. All right, so Bernier didn't didn't win and immediately um, I thought, okay well, this is an opportunity to draft Bernier into the libertarian party and I actually sent out a video I pr- produced a video and put it out publicly as well I called him, talked to him, and offered again um, to have him um, uh, to to have him take my spot as leader of the libertarian party i said i will step aside i publicly said this step aside to have you as leader of the party but i just wanted to once again extend my invitation to you you know the libertarian party is where you belong i'm so serious about this that i'm offering to step aside as leader if you join the party call an immediate convention and nominate you for leadership of the libertarian party of canada um now my understanding is that um, from from people close to him that i know that max watched that video probably a dozen times and it weighed heavily on his mind and over the next year max and i had conversations and you know i always put that that um invitation out there and let him know and he was very polite to me and always said i appreciate Tim, but no you know i gonna try and change things in conservative party i think maybe they listen and blah 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 and and i'm like okay uh, you keep believing that if you want but i don't think that's gonna happen i think they're more interested in in winning elections rather than um trying to to advance principle or something like that so um you know and, and then the nail on the coffin was uh Maxime was supposed to debate me at our party's convention uh trying to remember what year it was now but that the the the, uh debate was uh that the the question at hand was that uh, liberty is best advanced through the conservative party rather than the libertarian party and Bernie called called me up at the last minute and said hey team I cannot uh, in good conscience engage in this debate with you uh you know, it is, uh, I just don't believe it anymore, you know, is what he said. He, he he can't, in good faith, argue for the Conservative Party is a better better avenue than the Libertarian Party. So I'm like, dude, it sounds like you're ready to leave that party. Like, come on over to the Libertarians and do this and that. Um, well, over the summer, you know, we I, I could tell he was really looking at jumping ship from the... From the conservative party you know i actually had a conversation with him once and he told me that he's thinking about starting his own party which kind of blew my mind i'm like dude you've got a party right here like i I just didn't understand it why would you start your own party we've already got a libertarian party we don't need another one like you don't need to start a new libertarian party dude you can take over the libertarian party i'll hand it over to you run it however you want i mean you just got to be true to liberty that's all like it's it's, we have a very clear constitution and bylaws like you're going to have to be true to liberty um, but that's it. I mean, I, I, I believe you're a libertarian. Like, like, why don't, what's the problem? <laughs> and um, you know, he, he talked about how he. I, I think you know he threw a couple names at me. I won't. I don't want to tell you um, what. But you know, at the time, what it looked like to me was he was interested maybe in in creating another conservative party uh, similar to the Reform Party uh, from the '90s that would take a chunk out of uh you know the conservative party uh base and and basically uh reform the conservative movement in canada to something following more you know more conservative principles and you know unfortunately he came out with a party that's name was was weird the people's party which is uh you know i'll talk about that in a bit i'm not a big fan of the name Um, But, you know, I called him congratulated him. And, you know, I I would have preferred to see him. If you remember, when Maxime Bernier left the Conservative Party, or was he he did so by um, by basically forcing the Conservative Party to deal with him. Right. And he did that by sending out a bunch of tweets about pushing back against, uh, I think it was multiculturalism or immigration or something like that. You know, whatever. I, that stuff was boring to me and dumb. But uh, I get why some people are upset by it. Populists certainly were. Took our jobs or whatever. You know, I would have preferred him flame out of the conservative party by saying, hey, taxation is extortion. It's theft. It's violent. It ought to end. Uh, <laughs> like, all the drugs ought to be legal. This is bullshit. That You know, the government is a criminal cartel imposing its will on us. And um, those kind of tweets would have got him kicked out of the Conservative Party as well. But it would have actually advanced a message that was important, that meant something, that that challenged the root of all this. And that root, of course, is the state and statism, this belief in our population and in our politicians that we can use violence and have a criminal gang, a literal criminal gang at, uh, that our society is organized around that it's ordered by. So uh he didn't do that. He went the uh, populist route um and uh started the People's Party. And then even after he started the People's Party, uh, you know, he started running into um some fundraising issues until he had actually run in a by-election, he couldn't issue tax credits or tax receipts. And and so that really hampered his fundraising drive. And so a third party, uh, you know, a mutual friend of ours um noted this. And said, hey, why don't you guys merge? And yeah, so we, we talked about a merge for a little while. And, um, you know, again, all along the way here, at no point <laughs> did he tell me, did he ever tell me explicitly that he was a libertarian, right? I was doing what everyone else around Max did, which is project my own political philosophy onto him and just imagine that he's that. And he would never deny it. Uh, but he would also never embrace it. And so, you know, my hope and my, my uh, desire overrid my rational faculties and, and what he was actually telling me by all his actions. What were his actions? Oh, uh, not, not joining the Libertarian Party, becoming leader and taking my place. Oh, um, starting his own party instead of coming when he did leave the Conservative Party, instead of just leading the libertarian party. Um, you know, uh, when we started, uh, talking about emerge, um, you know, he didn't want to adopt the libertarian party name. He wanted to keep the people's party. The first thing he was very interested in was, well, how is your party incorporated? And I, I have no idea what he's talking about incorporated. How like it's, it's an entity registered with elections Canada. Well, it turns out that a lot of these political parties have fundraising arms that are incorporated. And he wants to know: Was it incorporated as a nonprofit, as a profit, as a chair? Like, how was it incorporated? Where was it incorporated? What were the articles of incorporation? Who were the corporate owners or, or uh, shareholders of the company? Those those questions were very, uh, like on the you know at the time i i thought it was kind of weird like to me i just wanted to talk about policy i wanted to talk about what is our party going to stand for what are the principles he wanted to talk about how it was structured and who owns it and that sort of thing turns out libertarian party canada isn't owned by anyone it's it's literally a party of the people and you know we have bylaws we have but we're not incorporated as maybe we should be maybe you know uh, you know of course the people's party is. Owned by three people, it's incorporated. It, there's articles of incorporation. You can look this up. Uh, you've got uh, Maxime Bernier, his right-hand man, Martin Mass, and uh, I think his lawyer or something like that. So you know, People's Party ever goes tits up, or um, you know, the the membership demand a a proper uh, um, leadership race, or they demand a policy convention, and Bernier doesn't want to do it. Well, he can take the people's party of Canada and all the donations and the funds and, and leave like he, he owns it. So, um, you know, maybe that's a smart move. Maybe, maybe, uh, you know, it's funny because I'm not a big fan of the people. Um, and, you know, cause it makes it very difficult. Like it, it's kind of like collective ownership of something doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, and so in that way, Maxime Bernier is doing it right. I mean, he, he's the king of that party. He owns it literally, um, he can do whatever the hell he wants to hell with what the people say, but (laughs) on the other hand, he's claiming to be a party of the people. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah, anyways. Um, okay. So there, there's a bit of the backstory. The deal fell through because I don't know why, um, I I assumed it was because we weren't incorporated and then he couldn't take ownership of the party or something. Um, but he, he eventually just ghosted me, which kind of pissed me off. You know, it made me quite quite bitter. He and he had told um, one of his aides that was a friend of mine uh, that he had got what he needed from the Libertarian Party and he had had, what did he have? He, well, all our members were jumping ship to the PPC now. And so he got our vice president, he got our director of communications, he got all all these things he basically decimated the libertarian party and got what he wanted so i I don't know kudos to him i guess it was it seemed like a machiavellian move maybe there's a more innocent explanation uh maybe maybe the simple explanation is that he's just not a libertarian and therefore he didn't want he didn't want a merge that would have forced him to uh abide by liberty completely uh, uh, libertarian principles completely uh, because that would have been inconvenient for him, as we'll see uh, shortly here. So, uh, okay, let, let's get into what the differences are in the People's Party and um, the Libertarian Party and why I will always support uh, the Libertarian Party as, uh, as my party, okay? So the first thing is, um, here's a clip uh, of what... Um, Max said on Dave Rubin show about the difference between the Libertarian Party or the Libertarians and him. But um, I'm not a real Libertarian because a real Libertarian will ask for uh, open borders or uh, no more uh, regulations or legislation on drugs. And so I, I don't believe in that. I think we must have a state that will have some regulation, basic yeah. regulations. So ha- All right, so there we are. Max finally saying... I'm not a real libertarian after all this time and uh I mean to my incredible embarrassment um turns out Max isn't a libertarian, and um my you know i'm i'm embarrassed i I'm embarrassed I invited him to lead the party I'm embarrassed that I considered a merge with him I was told you know by numerous libertarians and party members that hey he's not it's not a libertarian like what are you doing um considering this i didn't want to believe it i wanted to believe that he was a libertarian he never denied it he never um you know um like he seemed to go along with it (laughs) uh what a what an what an idiot i am and, you know, and, and the idea that I was going to merge our parties together and throw away the Libertarian Party, I, you know, I, I I've got no excuse. I apologize to Libertarians everywhere and to Libertarian Party members. That was um, probably one of my biggest failures as a leader. And you know, it was it was driven in large part by my desire to want to exit politics, to exit leadership. And I wanted to hand the party over to someone who could take it to the next level. I felt like I had given it a good springboard, but a guy who had nothing but a giant government pension and time like Maxime Bernier and, and status, uh, stature, uh, could have really taken this thing somewhere had he been a libertarian, but he's not. It's a goddamn statist as evidenced by that clip. Now, why is this such a big deal? Well, let, let's deal with the first part of his comment, the open borders thing. That, I mean, that that's just a myth. Libertarians um, come down on both sides of the issue, okay? Our primary concern is private borders. We want the government the hell out of our homes and out of our lives and out of our bodies, okay? And, you know, th- that's exactly what, th- the only thing the government ever does with regards to the individual is open up borders and never protects our borders as individuals. It, it only sh- rips them wide open, gets right in there, tells us we can't have baby walkers in our house. We can't have a, uh, you know, incandescent lights. We, we, uh, can't put this in our body or that in our body or sell this, or we need a license for that. It comes into our house every single goddamn day, takes our money in, in way of uh, taxation, extortion, and, it, it violates our borders constantly. That's, ex- that's what government is there for. That, this is the libertarian insight, okay? That government is a criminal gang. It, 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 governments get formed through conquest and plunder, and that's how they maintain their power. If you or I did anything the government did, we would be arrested in prison probably for life. You know, taxation. If we taxed our neighbor, that's called armed robbery, we hand our neighbor a note saying, hey, pay us our taxes or there's going to be consequences. Well, what are the consequences? Oh, well, guys with guns are eventually going to come and take your shit. And if you defend yourself, we'll put you in the ground. Yeah, that's what our government does to us. I don't care that, that, that is the technical definition of a criminal cartel. Okay, this is the libertarian insight. This is the greatest single threat to humanity, to civilization. To the individual and and so it and and it's precisely because it opens up borders and violates them constantly and you know so so to a libertarian it it's it is just mind-blowing to ask that same monster that monster that has let itself into our home made itself the boss of us, conscripts our kids to go off to war, takes half the shit out of our house that is ours, tells us what we can and can't do on our own property, that thing that's got us bent over the kitchen table, ass-raping us, that entity, I'm now going to turn around and ask, hey, can you please do something about that person moving from point A to point B 2,000 miles away over there on Roxham Road because they threaten my liberty. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? Okay, even if that guy way over there threatens your liberty somehow, you got a fucking monster on your back ass-raping you. It's weak as fuck to ask that guy to do something about that. Now, look, guys, I'm sorry. I'm getting a little worked up here. I'm going to tell you something. I haven't had nicotine. I've kicked nicotine. It's been four or five uh, days since I had it. A little bit on edge. Your boy's a little bit on edge. I, I get irritable, okay? So... So, okay. Open borders. Okay, fine. Like, you know what my policy was in, and this is the difference between uh, whatever the peoples is and a libertarian. Okay. When I looked at immigration policy, I, I, my, number one thing was how can I get the government the fuck out of this? Because government is a criminal cartel. Criminal cartel is never going to do things for my benefit. It's only going to do things for its own benefit. So if it opens up the borders, it's going to do it for its benefit. If it closes the borders, it's going to do it for its benefit. See what I'm saying? The the problem here is not uh, communist borders, socialized borders that we call national borders. That's a communist goddamn construct, okay the problem here is uh, we have public property well, get rid of pro- public property, and then, then we have a bunch of private borders, and then we'll respect them, but my policy was, okay, I get it, I get it. you know uh, immigration can be an issue if we're if our goal is to shrink government, um, then maybe there it ought to be done in a particular order, right maybe if we have floods of uh, Of migrants coming here for welfare dollars and to vote uh, on more government spending—that's not going to be good. I get it. Okay. So here, but I still, at the same time, I—I just can't. It's—it's beneath my dignity to ask the government to solve problems for me and to—to solve this problem. So what? Here's—here was my solution. You want to hear it? It was sponsorship-only immigration. Okay. What does that mean? That means hey. Immigrants can come here by invite. You can feel free to invite them. You have to look after them as a, you, you have to take on the responsibility of their integration into to society, into their housing, shelter, food. Uh, and you also have to have some skin in the game in terms of vouching for them. In other words, if, if they're, you, you take on some legal liability, if that person you invite here turns out to be a criminal, we're gonna ha- you're going to ho- have some liability here. Okay. Now, this is a market-based approach. It may result in far less immigration than Bernier's policy or far more. But to simply throw out an arbitrary number, 100,000, 250,000, which which is it? We move from 250,000 to 100,000? Who determines that? Fucking government? Are you kidding me? As if they know what the right number is? Oh, we've reached 100,000 immigrants. Sorry, Tim, your son can't have that neurosurgeon immigrate to Canada to fix that problem because we've reached the arbitrary number. Fuck you. That's so fucking weak. It's it's pathetic. Okay. The next part of his thing is even is is the gross part. It's like we need government for regulating drugs, you know? What? Really? We need we need a criminal cartel to tell us what we can and can't put into our body, what state of mind I can I can be in, what mind altering substance I can take. The, the what Huh? It's disgusting. Look, guys, I get it. I'm I'm a paramedic firefighter, right? I treat people in downtown that are hooked on drugs, that are addicts, that are out there in an open drug scene doing disgusting things, ruining their lives. Uh you know, and, and think about how disgusting and and sick it is to have a bunch of drug addicts openly walking around in a city and think about how terrible it is to, to be an addict who will suck a dick just to get high, right? Disgusting, deplorable, like degrading. No one wants to see it. It's, it's, but it, it, it pales in comparison to what Bernier is asking for here. Okay, that's how disgusting this is to a libertarian. As disgusting as this drug, open drug scene is, the idea that we need government, that we need a group of individuals with guns to point those guns and threaten to shoot people and kill people for doing consenting adult things that isn't hurting anyone but themselves is absolutely disgusting. It's sick. That's a bridge too far for a libertarian like me to go. I can't get behind that, uh, that corrupt thing. Guys, you've got to understand here, a libertarian is a person who has come to the conclusion through careful study of philosophy, of principles, of history, that the root of all evil or most evil in this world today uh, certainly of the state of entropy and destruction and chaos that we see is the state or more precisely statism the belief that there ought to be uh, a group of people with the right uh, not only the right but the the moral and ethical obligation to impose its will to violate and, and violate others in the most egregious way by coming into their homes by getting into their bodies by, you know, I mean, a most basic, right? Like being able to, you know, put into our body, whatever the hell we want. Why? Because you don't like what I'm putting in there Uh, because you know, you don't like, I mean, that is, and, and so it's this idea of statism that the state needs to be involved in some way in solving a problem. We don't like that is the root of all evil. Okay. This is where, we get uh, drag queen story hour. This is where we get, uh, you know, gender dysphoria run amok. This is where we get all the, all the woke stuff that, that conservatives hate come from the very kernel that the conservatives plant. You know, I remember in the eighties when it was all about the, the war on drugs and these ridiculous ads. Uh, this is your brain on drugs. This is, uh, <laughs> this is, you know, the, the, Uh, reefer madness um, campaigns and nancy reagan uh, going hard in a paint on drugs at the same time we saw uh, censorship on tv and like puritanical views being imposed on on us at, at by social conservatives at the top you know in government and you couldn't say this on TV or do this. We had to restrict this. We couldn't let this smut get out. And we, you know, we definitely have to watch out for rock and roll and these satanic Motley Crue music. And, uh, you know, definitely the NWA and their, their song, Fuck the Police. I mean, the government's got to do something about this. This is what we were told constantly in the 80s. It was it was the social conservatives back then, right? They were giving the state the, um, <laughs> the tools with which to impress to oppress them uh, later on, weren't they? Because what they were saying is we need guys with guns to impose a moral order here. And that's exactly what progressives are doing right now. Aren't they? They're using the guys with guns to impose a moral order. This is why conservatives are progressives driving the speed limit. Okay. This, this is the root of, of all our problems. I can't stress it enough. So, this is what libertarians understand very clearly. Government is evil, okay? Now, it may be some branches of libertarianism it's a necessary evil. Okay? We need it to protect it, protect ourselves from other criminal gangs, right? We need MI13 running a protection racket in our neighborhood because if they aren't running the protection racket, then an, a, a neighboring gang will come in here and it'll be even worse. We don't want those foreign gangs in here. Let's stick with the gang we know. Okay. That's the argument for, uh, for having gangs like called governments, uh, exert territorial dominance over us and run a protection racket on us. Okay. I, maybe that's true, but at the very least, we need to think about limiting it. We need our, our main focus ought to be on not going to that gang for every ache and pain and thing that we see in society, whether it's drugs or uh, you know people starving or healthcare. Or we don't use criminality, we don't use violence to solve problems, and we don't give, um, we don't encourage it. We don't plant seeds of statism. Uh, by begging the state to, to do something about drugs or people moving from point A to point B. It's weak. It's deranged. It's corrupt. It is, it's sick. Okay, it's sick. It's warped. I mean, this is exactly like I said, this is how we get a morally deranged society is we plant the seeds of moral derangement called statism and we watch them sprout and watch all the different fucking branches come out all the derangement all the disgusting despicable things that plant from that seed of imposing morality by violence it's a sick fucking thing um so (laughs) so there we go so there's there's a big difference now there are other differences okay um I mean, look, we, we can go through different policies and just see the language here and where the st- seeds of statism are implanted in their thing. So, uh, you know, so for example, uh, there, there, if you go through the PPC's policy, there's, there's a section there on pipelines. And, you know, Bernier says he'll use section 92 of the constitution uh, where par- whereby parliament can declare any project to be for the general advantage of Canada. Okay, so Section 92 of the Constitution, uh, I'm not 100 percent sure on what it does. It it either allows the government to expropriate private land to push through a pipeline that's in the good of Canada, again, against libertarian. Private property is sacrosanct in libertarian philosophy. There's two things. Libertarian philosophy is two things. Okay, it's the non-aggression principle or the non-initiation of force principle. Don't uh, initiate force against someone. Um, to impose your will on them and coupled with property rights and property rights are, you know, ownership of your body, ownership of the things that you uh, appropriate in nature that are unowned or trade for a contract for in nature. Okay. So it's, there's, it's like Lockean homesteading or Lockean property rights plus initiation of force. So it is definitely not libertarian to use a government fiat to expropriate private land to push through a pipeline you know i'm a big pipeline booster okay i've I've defended the oil sands and pipelines against uh scoundrels like neil young and daryl hannah and all these hollywood people who want to use force to violate uh, uh property rights of a pipeline of an oil company to put in a pipeline across property and land that they have freely negotiated with but just like i'm protecting property rights of oil and gas there I'm protecting property rights of landowners against some section 92 of the constitution and some government fiat that will allow them now the other way to interpret it is i think it just um prevents a province section 92 prevents a p- province from uh from stopping a pipeline from going across or you know something like that so again libertarians um are widely in favor of, um, decentralizing power of, uh, put, you know, pushing like Canada's too big. We need more countries. Right. And so to have Canada impose its will on a, on a smaller jurisdiction like Alberta or Saskatchewan or Quebec is, um, is poop pooed in libertarian circles. It's, it, it goes against our philosophy of decentralized and, and it says essentially that look, a bigger jurisdiction can infringe on a smaller jurisdiction. Well, you guys talk about globalists all the time. PPC is all against globalists. What is it? What is that? That's the same thing. All right. Uh, oh, okay. Here's here's another big thing. One of the reasons why I wanted to, um, you know, when, when I invited Bernier to uh, to lead the Libertarian Party, my plan was to run against him. And not that I wanted to win against him or, or could have won against him. There's no way. But I wanted to hold his feet to the fire on his his support for foreign policy. Um, if you remember, he was, um, I think he was, he, he had a foreign po- he had a foreign policy cabinet position or something like that. He was over in Afghanistan uh, for a while. He was part of Stephen Harp- Har- Harper's Warhawk uh, cabinet, right? Stephen Harper was. Uh, trying to get Canada, wanted to get Canada into Iraq. You remember? Thank God he he failed at that. Um, He got Canada into Afghanistan, right? Uh, He he got Canada into Libya, bombed Libya, ousted Muammar Gaddafi. Uh, Oh, and by the way, uh, made it a a giant slave market and left it so that the most violent extremists, Islamists, we're running that place now. Um, oh, and by the way, that attack also inspired two terrorist attacks on Canadian s- soil, right? We had the shooting up of Parliament where uh, Nathan Cirillo, a uh, soldier guard in the Cenotaph, was killed. And uh, we had, uh, I believe there was two soldiers killed as well in a hit and run or uh, by a vehicle by a terrorist in, in Quebec. Both these terrorists cited uh, Canada's involvement in Libya Uh, or announcement of their involvement in Libya as the, the hair that broke the camel's back and, and uh, inspired them to act violently against Canadians. So uh, the foreign policy that not only killed hundreds of thousands of people, not only created slave markets in countries that weren't ours uh, not only spent and exploited Canadians tax money and made us all complicit by by dint of having our our money used to fund these evil things uh oh it also made canadians less safe and inspired terrorist attacks on our own soil that foreign policy right uh well i don't remember ever hearing maxime bernier speak out against it while he was in parliament that's a pretty big fucking libertarian thing we're against wars we think that the military ought to protect our nation not be engaged in nation building peace building um uh overthrowing dictators uh you know basically all sorts of fuckery in the name of the military industrial complex we don't engage in that stuff we speak out against it you want to see what a libertarian uh looks like in in the halls of power speaking out against this stuff
1: stand by here listen to Dr. Ron Paul. I served five years in the military. I've had a little experience. I've spent a little bit of time over in the Pakistan, Afghanistan area, as well as in Iran. But I wouldn't wait for my generals. I'm the commander-in-chief. I make the decisions. I tell the generals what to do, and I'd bring them home as quickly as possible, and I'd get them out of Iraq as well, and I wouldn't start a war in Libya. I'd quit bombing Yemen, and I'd quit bombing Pakistan. I'd start taking care of people here at home because we could save hundreds of billions of dollars. Our national security is not enhanced by our presence over there. We have no purpose there. We should learn the lessons of history and the longer we're there the worse things are are and the more danger we're in as well because our presence there is not making friends let me tell you madam speaker i have a few questions for my uh, colleagues what if our foreign policy of the past century is deeply flawed and has not served our national security interests what if we wake up one day and realize that the terrorist threat is a predictable consequence of our meddling in the affairs of others and has nothing to do with us being free and prosperous. What if propping up repressive regimes in the Middle East endangers both the United States and Israel? What if occupying countries like Iraq and Afghanistan and bombing Pakistan is directly related to the hatred directed toward us? What if someday It dawns on us that losing over 5,000 American military personnel in the Middle East since 9-11 is not a fair trade-off for the loss of nearly 3,000 American citizens, no matter how many Iraqi, Pakistani and Afghan people are killed or displaced. What if we finally decide that torture, even if called enhanced interrogation technique, is self-destructive and produces no useful information and that contracting it out to a third-world nation is just as evil? What if it is finally realized that war and military spending is always destructive to the economy? What if all wartime spending is paid for through the deceitful and evil process of inflating and borrowing? What if we finally see that wartime conditions always undermine personal liberty? What if conservatives who preach small government wake up and realize that our interventionist foreign policy provides the greatest incentive to expand the government? What if conservatives understood once again that their only logical position is to reject military intervention and managing an empire throughout the world? What if the American people woke up and understood that the official reasons for going to war are almost always based on lies and promoted by war propaganda in order to serve special interests? What if we as a nation came to realize that the quest for empire eventually destroys all great nations? What if Obama has no intention of leaving Iraq? What if a military draft is being planned for, for the wars that will spread if our foreign policy is not changed? What if the American people learn the truth, that our foreign policy has nothing to do with national security, that it never changes from one administration to the next? What if war and preparation for war is a racket serving the special interests? What if President Obama is completely wrong about Afghanistan and turns out worse than Iraq and Vietnam put together? What if Christianity actually teaches peace and not preventive wars of aggression? What if diplomacy is found to be superior to bombs and bribes in protecting America? What happens if my concerns are completely unfounded? Nothing. But what happens if my concerns are justified and ignored? Nothing good. And I yield back the balance of my time.
0: I wanted to give Max an opportunity to sound like the heroic Ron Paul by letting him run for the Libertarian Party and holding his feet to the fire. He could have said, I'm sorry I ever supported this. I'm sorry I never spoke out against it. I'm sorry for the the piles and piles of bloody broken bodies that I played a part in creating because of my support or at least uh, <laughs> neutrality when it came to the military-industrial complex. When I had an opportunity to say something against it, I didn't. And I'm sorry. And I, I you know, I had a come-to-liberty moment, and there's nothing I can do to make up for what I did, but I can just tell you that I have learned from my mistakes. I will not do this again. I, I feel absolutely horrific he could have said something like that, that would have been fantastic. He could have said something, he could have acknowledged his part in all this. But I got crickets, we got crickets. And instead, we got a foreign. Now, you know, the PPC uh, policies change from time to time. I remember the first time I looked at his, the PPC's foreign policy, it, it it was basically something to the effect of, we need to fight them over there. So <laughs> rather than fight them over here we shouldn't do all these wars but we need we definitely need to fight them over there before they come over here that's just more of the same bullshit conservative stuff that that um, creates perpetual wars that feeds the military industrial complex that creates terrorism and and feeds it Um, his foreign policy now is uh you know continue to work closely with our allies to maintain a peaceful international order but will not get involved in foreign conflicts Unless we have a compelling strategic interest in doing so. again, pretty wishy-washy there. maintain a peaceful international order what? why what Why, why do, should Canada care about an international order, a globalist order out there? Uh, why should I care if Cambodia and Vietnam are fighting or uh, you know Ukraine and Russia are going at it or whatever? Why, why do I need to why, why do I need to extort money from Canadians? and send our uh, brave young men and women overseas to impose some kind of peaceful international order? Um, And what would a compelling strategic interest be for Canada in getting involved in conflicts? What possible strategic interest? So again, it's just not the kind of commitment the anti-war commitment that a libertarian likes to see. We want to see a foreign policy that says we stick, we're like Switzerland. Every adult has an assault rifle in their home and is trained to use it. And if you come and invade our country by God, we will give you hell. But instead, um, you know, we we have a foreign policy that talks about peaceful international order and strategic interest. No. Uh, Here's another thing again climate policy right it basically if you read that climate policy and i've read a couple of iterations of it but it's basically the same thing look there is no climate emergency therefore we don't need government intervention right again that's a weak argument from liberty that that is saying that if there was a climate emergency we we obviously would need government intervention we concede the point that government is needed in an emergency no the right answer is government is definitely not needed in an emergency. In fact, the greater the emergency, the less we probably need government, right? You know, and, and it's just, it's similar to the the COVID nineteen stuff, right? Um, you know, I remember in the early days of the pandemic when we didn't know how bad it was, no one se- except libertarians seemed to be against the the two week lockdown. Right, everyone was like, "Well, I guess it kind of makes sense." I mean, we we'll need government if this pandemic is bad, as everything says. Right? If, if in two weeks it's not big a sacrifice, we're against it. We're against it from the start, and you know the arguments, uh, you know that that I hear constantly from from populists against um, against all these lockdown measures and horrendous government uh invasions again into our borders ripping our borders open and telling us we got to stay locked in our homes keeping us there we've got to wear masks we got to get vaxxed all this stuff the arguments are well the vax doesn't work the the masks don't work the lockdowns didn't work um it was all a hoax it all came out of a hand lamp you know whatever they are like these vaccines are killing people therefore government intervention was bad no no Government was inter- intervention was bad. Even if every single thing the government, the, the establishment media said was a hundred percent true. Even if the virus was as deadly as they said, even if it was 10 times deadlier, even if the vaccine was a hundred percent effective, even if the masks worked. even if lockdown stopped the spread, even if all that stuff worked, it's still evil and immoral to do all those things. And so stop hacking at the branches, uh, uh, of statism of authoritarianism and of tyranny you're you're cutting off a branch and two more are popping up strike the root what is the root libertarians say the root is statism it's the idea that the state ought to uh initiate force and impose its will on people and if you don't understand the arguments against that you're not equipped to advance liberty i'm sorry all you're doing is advancing a different tyranny. All you're doing is is uh, having progressivism and wokeism advance at, at a, a slower pace, but you're never reversing it, and you're never doing anything about it. You you can't continually plant seeds of statism and expect the state to shrink. A libertarian Party again, that is the primary focus of the party. Like I'm not the leader anymore um but i know it has very strict constitution bylaws it's got a party structure um and it, stand, it it can't change what it stands for it's right there in the constitution it's very difficult to change it okay i don't know what the ppc stands for i i, I hear uh, you know fairness liberty freedom what what do those, those things mean i don't know what they mean i don't know what you mean by liberty Obviously you don't mean the same thing I do if you want to lock people up for doing drugs or for selling them, you know, obviously you you don't mean the same thing as I do. If you're begging the government to stop people from moving from point A to point B. Okay. You know, like, (sighs) (sighs) ah, man, I need some nicotine guys. (laughs) This is too much for me. This is too much. All right, well I hope that gives you some idea of, of the difference. Look, again, the the root of, of the issues here is the state. The state, the state. The primary focus of, of any liberty lover ought to be restricting the state, not asking it to do things like stop migrants. Okay, migrants could be a problem, okay? But look, I'm over in Alberta, we got some shady people coming uh, moving from point A to point B over there at Roxham Road in Quebec. How the fuck does that have anything to do with me? Well, I'll tell you how it has to do with me. The government makes me associate with those people. My tax dollars are going over there to deal with that stuff. My tax dollars are going to be needed to fight crime, to give them health care, to provide social supports for them, right? That's the problem. Uh, I'm connected to them in this democracy and whatever their opinion becomes as Canadian citizens is going to affect me. So yeah, I get it. I get why migrants is a problem. But guess what? The migra- the person moving from point A to point B isn't the problem. The problem is the forced association. The problem is the taxation. The problem is the goddamn government here. And yet you're asking the same pr- people that are causing the problem that are on your ass, ass-raping you. You're you're turning around, giving them a, a, a look back, an angry dragon saying, hey, uh, can you take a break from... From from ass raping me to deal with that person moving from point A to point B because I think they're going to make it make your rape even worse next time. It's just weak. It's just uh, I can't get I can't wrap my head around it. Okay, I get it. I I, honestly I I get what the concern is, but listen, you're focused on all the wrong things. Uh, You know, another thing is there's a bunch of things. You know, this focus on globalism as the the main issue that's confronting Canada Klaus Schwab. Yeah. Yeah. All those guys are immoral, power mongering, megalomaniac bastards. Yeah. I don't want to be run by them, but guess what? Uh, How can we say I'm run by them when it's the Trudeau government, when it's my own local government, when it's the provincial government that are pointing the guns at me. Okay. 15 minute cities. Let's say Edmonton decides it's going to confine people into their cities was that Klaus schwab that did it Klaus schwab may have come up with the idea sure but it's the edmonton it's the state that is doing it it's our own state it's our own gang that's doing that maybe they're getting some brilliant ideas from other gangs but that gang isn't pointing a gun at the mayor of edmonton or the council of edmonton saying you will impose this no they're they they might be bribing them a little bit or offering them some prestige or doing this, but it's ultimately our own state, our own officials, that are that are imposing their will on us. So I get it, I, you know, it's it's sexy to uncover all these mastermind plots and these puppet masters out there controlling strings. Nah, at the end of the day, you know what it is? It's our neighbors. Our neighbors want free shit. Our neighbors want um, you know less carbon dioxide. It's the people. It's the people. The people are the problem. (laughs) The people want this stuff. The governments are meeting a market demand, a political market demand here. Which brings me to the, the next point. The people, the people's party. This fetishization of the people. As if that's a thing. As if the government could ever represent something called the people. As if we would want it to represent something called the people. I mean, the people in Canada, 60%, 65%, are left, are to the left of center. Is that who you want controlling your life? Is that who should have a say in, in um, how your life goes and how much money you can take home and how, what kind of property you can own and what you can do with it and what, what kind of uh, commercial activity you can engage in? No, I want to be protected from the goddamn people. I can't have a government because they might do what the people want. So, so, you know, this idea, it's kind of a populist delusion of, of you know, this fetishization of the people. Uh, all right. I'm running out of steam. I got to go find some caffeine. Uh, listen, guys, I, look, I, I want to make this clear. I love people in the PPC. I love a lot of the people in the PPC. OK, I, I even like Maxine Bernier. He I feel like he did me a dirty. I feel like he fucked me over. He's probably playing the game. He, he might have a legitimate So I'm going to I'm going to extend him good faith belief here. Uh, OK, I, I obviously I'm not going to trust him as far as I can throw him at any point in the future. If he comes to me with some kind of brilliant offer or scheme or whatever, because I've been burnt too many times before by him, you know, with, and I blame myself mostly for that. But, you know. Again, he's a Machiavellian. He's it's kind of greasy, but he, you know he just learned to play the game of politics. I don't don't hate the player, hate the game, right? But he's more willing to play the game, it seems. So, um, but listen, I, I you know I love this upsurge in freedom. Okay, this and, and it's it's like you're almost there. It's like the People's Party is almost there. It's it's like um, you know 90% towards libertarian. Uh, but again, it's like it's the state is cancer okay and if the Liberals are hundred percent cancer and conservatives are 50 percent cancer and the PPC is 25 percent cancer um, okay I'd rather have the conservatives I'd rather have the PPC but I can't support any amount of cancer you understand that that's why I can't support the PPC that's why I can't support the conservatives this is why I, I rejected Bernier's offer you know or, or invitation to join the conservative party when he was part of it and run as a candidate i mean and this is why i i you know i i won't join the ppc look there are two reasons to join a political party and be politically active one is that you want to win and take over the reins of power and pull some legislative levers and make things happen uh, for your team okay that's one one way now the the other thing is to advance ideas, to get ide- important ideas out there because the public look at that stage during elections and during election cycles and they're hungry for a message and so you stand on that stage and you deliver it. The most important message that can be delivered on that stage is being delivered by the Libertarian Party of Canada. I don't get what the point of the PPC is if I'm just going to deliver a half-assed message that that in some ways sows the seeds of statism that are going to be used against me in the future that are going to support uh, progressive policies in the future. There's no point to it. Like it. And there's definitely no point to it if I think that pragmatically I need to get elected and win a seat, okay? PPC, in order to win a seat, is going to have to truly reflect the people, and the people are absolutely terrible. They're going to have to say the things Pierre Polyvert is saying. They're going to have to, they're going to, have to um, disavow that uh, German MP, uh, Christine Anderson. Uh, because the public thinks she's a, na- a racist Nazi. And therefore, you better disavow her if you want to get votes. You understand? You have to sell your soul to get those votes. So if you're going to start to sell your soul um, you know, I'm out. Uh, but also if you're not going to sell your soul, then don't even half sell it. Don't even talk about legalizing drugs. Don't even talk about the government doing shit. Like just stand up for Liberty or, you know, I don't know, read some Rothbard dudes, like read some Rothbard, read some, read some Hans Hermann Hoppe. Um, like understand political philosophy a little bit, right? Understand why the state needs to be restricted not just because they're they're um of your feelings but because of moral and ethical truths because of universal principles that can be applied all right again guys hey i love you all look i i'm just glad that um so many people are heading in the right direction and look the ppc is 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 a much needed voice maybe in Canadian politics. At least there's a place for people who aren't willing to fully embrace Liberty to land They're They're like, okay, I'm Liberty curious. So I'm going to maybe fool around a little bit with the PPC. Um, Okay. Maybe we can, we fully radicalize you and get you fully on board with Liberty. So maybe it plays an important role and certainly uh, having a bunch of people push back against specific policies like the COVID pandemic policies and different things are great. I wish, I wish that that the pushback would have been based on principle and not based on um, uh, on the idea of, uh, you know, that uh, government just w- didn't work for this pandemic, right? And, and the vaccine didn't work and blah, blah, blah. No, even if it had worked, even if it had limited the spread, even if it had 100%, it still would have been evil. And you need to understand that the reason why that is and if you don't you're not you're not as impactful and as um effective as you can and should be anyways I, i've rambled long enough you guys get the picture i'm gonna go get some caffeine maybe i'll try to find some nicotine so i'm not so on edge and grumpy but uh, let me know <laughs> below how i did was i too mean was i too grumpy was i too uh boisterous and and uh, you know profane um Yeah, I'm sorry if I was, uh, you know, definitely not safe for work, but uh, peace out. Talk to you next time.